What's up, y'all? This is John and Wes back with another episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. It was a, um, I guess we'll call it a frustrating week four, at least for dog fans. Um, and I don't really know anybody that had a great showing this weekend except Alabama. So oh, there's a lot of, I thought they were giving up some points. Ohio State gave up 21 points to a bad Wisconsin team, but <laughs> Georgia gave up 22 points, so I can't t- I can't talk too much. Um, yeah, so we're going to recap all of Week Four on this episode. Um, go over what went wrong. Do our normal offensive, defensive MVPs. Give our uh, freshman award of the week. Um, all that normal stuff, and we do have some. We do have some pretty big news coming out in the next week or so. Um, you guys will hear about that later. But I will go ahead and say it is possible that we don't have a Monday episode next week because if you haven't watched the news, um, there's a hurricane headed to <laughs> me, and I live on an island outside of Savannah, where. If the wind blows above 15 miles an hour, we lose a tree somewhere on the island that just always falls on a power line. Always. Always. Um, So, yeah, we may not have an early week episode next week, but we will make up for it at some point as long as I can get power or get to somewhere with power, I should say. It's good to say Um, Well, if I don't have it, Starbucks ain't gonna have it. I'm gonna have to go a little bit further than that. Starbucks will always have power. It's Starbucks. They can't. The white girls can't miss their PSLs. So the issue probably isn't going to be power because, like I, I said it in our fantasy group, we did buy a generator today. The okay. problem is going to be we have Xfinity Wi-Fi, and all of their lines are run like between tree branches all over the island. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I mean, in my yard alone, my front yard, I have an oak tree that one of the limbs goes between the cable lines for Xfinity. That's smart. Well, they're historic trees, and they don't want to cut them down unless they have to. Jesus. Gotta love it. Um, So, anyways, enough about me, Wes. What are you drinking tonight? Um, Dr. Pepper. I thought you. I thought you were spitting dip in that bottle. I'm a little disappointed. That we should raise the dark pepper tonight. I've got a brand new bottle of Fiddler Soloist Hunter Proof. Um, saw this when I picked it up today. Ironically, on the front of the bottle, it says nothing finer on it, which I love. Um, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. ASW is made in Atlanta. They use a pot still. And um, never chill filtered, no color added, just good, solid bourbon from our guy. Uh, well, he doesn't make it, but David Booth up there <laughs> works at the distillery at the Battery. Um, great guy, friend of the show. <clears throat> um, let's go ahead and get into it. First, we'll talk about, you know what, let's start off strong. Clemson Wake Forest. That was game. That was such a good game. I was actually rewatching part of it while I was cooking dinner just a little while ago. I, insanity. Wake Forest did Wake Forest things. Um, let's pull up the stats here real quick. I did pick them to win, and you thought I was crazy. I did. I did think you were crazy. And Clemson almost covered the seven. They covered six. 
Yeah. They covered six. Um, <clears throat> sorry, guys. Clemson put up 559 yards of offense. Wake Forest put up 447 yards of offense. Jesus. Insane numbers. I think at this point, because of this game, uh, DJ may be ahead of Sam Hartman, even though he's already played one more game. It was a it was a great game all around. Defense was uh, was really nowhere to be found for this one. But as long as it's not a Georgia game, I would rather see no defense. <laughs> Man, I love these high scoring games. I watch these high scoring games while I cook. I watch them when I like when I go to the gym and work out. If I you know put on a high scoring game just to keep me entertained. Really, <laughs> what are your what's up? I was gonna say, speaking of working out, I um, I somehow ended up on a Miami boys choir like Jewish TikTok, and those songs are pretty lit and get me hyped in the gym. So, you watch high scoring games. I listen to the Miami boys choir. <laughs> Good for you. <clears throat> very uh, very interesting there. I'm telling you, you should look it up. It's pretty legit, but um. Yeah, no, this game was so much fun to watch. I was flipping back and forth between this and the Georgia game because both of these were at noon, unfortunately. Right. But, yeah, like you were saying, there was no defense anywhere to be found. It was literally just up and down the field, up and down the field. And, yeah. There's I mean, really this, I this was a – I don't know what, maybe a pass being a foot off from going to a third overtime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. This will definitely be one that I go back and watch for a long time. Yeah, for sure. Next game we'll talk about – let's talk about Texas not being back. <laughs> Texas Tech wins their second underdog matchup of the season to come to 3-1 and one after they beat a ranked Houston team who some people had actually picked to go to the playoff this year. <laughs> Um, it took, took two overtimes to beat Houston, and then they got a 13-point loss to NC State the next week, and then they come back with a three-point overtime win against Texas, against the Longhorns, the same Longhorns that took Alabama all the way down to having to be saved by the referees to win that game. <laughs> I just – I'm at a loss on this one. What What do you have? So, I mean, losing to NC State isn't bad. Devin Leary is definitely one of the top quarterbacks in the ACC. Dude's just nasty. But um, with Texas losing, and everybody likes to talk about, the, you know, that quality win that teams have, um, Georgia has a quality win against Oregon because they keep winning. It's weird what happens when you play teams that, you know, keep winning. It's called a quality win. Um, Texas, on the other hand, has lost to Texas Tech and has lost, you know, to Alabama. Texas Tech shouldn't have beaten that Texas. If you looked at the way Texas played against Bama, Texas should be going undefeated the rest of the season. But they didn't. And Texas is not a quality win for Alabama. I'll throw that out there. I think Texas' season would definitely be a lot different if they still had Quinn Ewers. Uh, 
I mean, for example, I think Texas beats Alabama if they still have Quinn Ewers. He put up over 130 passing yards in the first quarter before oh, he got hurt. Um, but yeah, no, Hudson Card is not the answer. I think uh, I think Texas is really glad that they are supposed to be having Arch Manning come in next year. Yeah. I mean, Card threw for what? He was 20 for 30, 277 yards, you know, two touchdowns and one interception. Like those aren't. That's not a bad stat line. No, absolutely not. Yeah, yards per pass at nine point two. Yeah, I, turnovers are really what what did this game. Texas had two turnovers. Uh, they had what fifty three less yards than Texas Tech. Yeah, they had more rushing yards. They had less penalties. They they definitely did everything to win this game, except for hold on to the ball. But as Georgia fans, we know something a little bit about turnovers after this last week. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a tough one. Also, I don't remember who you had going in the ACC championship. We'll go to this next one. Miami is not winning the ACC this year. I'm pretty sure we both had Miami. Hold on. Yeah. Did I make a graphic for this? I don't remember. I don't see it. I don't think I did. I know I picked Miami, and good lord, did Miami look awful. I think they ended I up. I picked NC State in Miami, if I'm not mistaken. I know those. That's who I picked. And NC State's still looking good. Tyler Van Dyke, after last season, having the best three quarters of a season <laughs> and for a quarterback in recent memory for Miami. Went 50% passing for 138 yards and a total QBR of 22 against Middle Tennessee State. They brought in their backup quarterback who went 10 to 19 for 169. Man, that's just, that's, that's bad. That's real bad. Sorry, I'm not. Before I made a graphic, yeah, no, that's yeah. I mean, Tyler Van Dyke was supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC, and I, yeah, I was thinking about putting Heisman money on money money on him in the preseason, and boy, am I glad I didn't because he may not even be the starter anymore. Yeah, that. Yeah. But I mean, Middle Tennessee is known for you know upsets every now and then, and well. Putting up forty-five on an ACC team that held uh, the same ACC team held A and M to what seventeen points a week oh. ago? Yeah. yeah, talking about quality wins. Miami is no longer a quality win for A and M. Yeah, no, absolutely not. There's, I don't know if you could call Miami a win at this point because that was just that was bad. That was that was real bad. <laughs> real bad. Uh, let's go over here to this Oregon game since we're talking about quality wins. This game was uh, fun, pretty much over until the fourth quarter, and then I guess Bo Nix figured out how to be a quarterback. Maybe he looked yeah. good the last two weeks, and then he threw a pick six in the first quarter, um, and then suddenly going into the fourth quarter. Oregon outscores Washington State 29 to 14 to win 44 41. Yeah. Buddy. And 
I think I think at this point, one of my bets every week is going to be Bo Nix to account for at least one touchdown. Yeah. And the Pac-12 not good. Yeah, my, uh, my bandwagon team's looking pretty good so far. Huh? How's yours? <laughs> How did BYU do last week? Let's check. I don't even know. That game was a lot of fun to watch, though. You know, Oregon coming back. You know, I was flipping between this one and the Tennessee-Florida game, and it was hard to keep one game on the TV at a time, flipping between yeah. this and the, the uh, Tennessee game. It was a little bit of a snoozer, but then like in the fourth quarter, it's just Bo Nix erupted, and it was uh, a lot of fun. And typically a Bo Nix eruption equals points for the other team, but this yeah. week it was different. So BYU beat Wyoming 38-24. So Ooh. they're now – they're still ranked. They are – Three and one on the season with only a loss to Bo Nix and that Oregon team. <laughs> so it's not over yet. And we all know that Oregon loves to fall apart against uh, Utah late in the season. Yeah. Let's let's go ahead and get into this Tennessee Florida game. I know we both have a lot of takes on this because we watch. So with this game, my wife, who is pretty awesome. For those of you that don't know her, she um she drove back from the game in Athens all the way to our house so I could watch the Tennessee Florida game on my phone. She drove the entire way. That's all. And normally we split that, so she drove the entire way home so I could finish watching this game. You got you a keeper. Oh, and she got me one of those inversion tables to help your back. What? $35 at Goodwill. Damn. It, it pays to live in a rich neighborhood. Right. Damn. Um, Tennessee, Florida is just another one of those games this week that the defense did not show up. <laughs> it, it, I, I will stand by this take. If Tennessee's linebackers knew how to tackle, Florida would have had negative yards in the first half. Yeah. How many times did they get Anthony Richardson running for his life 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage for him to just magically throw a ball 20 yards downfield? Every play. Almost every play. They made Anthony Richardson look like a Heisman candidate. Oh, yeah. Both of these quarterbacks look like Heisman candidates. That's because both of the defenses played like they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, there's a there's a new thing that's coming out. Instead of Hendon Hooker, it's Hemden Hooker. Like, he's not – he's good. I mean, while he's been at Tennessee, I believe he's got, like, since being a starter, it's like 50 – he's accounted for 54 touchdowns and two interceptions. Like, those, that's an absurd number. Like, don't get me wrong, dude's good. But I don't – I'm not on the Hendon Hooker hype train yet. He is very good. Very good. So – Here's a uh, fun stat about just how undisciplined and poor tackling this Tennessee defense is. Would you like to take a guess at how many yards passing Anthony Richardson had in seven games last year? In seven games? He appeared in seven games throwing passes. How many yards did he have last season? Passing. 320. He had 529 passing yards last season. All of last season in seven games, right? Oh, yeah. He typically came in in garbage time, threw some bombs, left. Yeah. 
Yeah. Against Tennessee's supposedly better defense, right, he went 24 of 44, so barely over 50%, for 453 yards in the air. Jeez. So he clipped. He is 75 yards short of his entire last season's passing total against Tennessee's defense. I'm not going to get into it. No, get into it. Get into it. I want to hear it. I don't uh, – the first four weeks of the season, I've said this in the group. I've said it in our group, our fantasy group chat. I don't see what teams – what people see in these two teams that thinks Tennessee is going to beat Georgia. I, I don't see it. You can't look at what these two teams have done comparably and confidently be like, yeah, Tennessee's going to beat Georgia. Like, you can't. So, my take on this, and I, Tristan, our resident Tennessee fan, good dude, love him to death. He said in the group the other day that um, he thinks Tennessee has a good chance at beating both Alabama and Georgia this year. He said def- maybe Alabama. He said Definitely Georgia. Definitely Georgia in a home game that at very least is a 3-30 game. First if Auburn's 3-30, this is a night game. I hope so. I think I think every I think every week it gets a little bit better of a chance. Tennessee is 100 percent a top 10 team. No yeah, doubt about 100%. it. 100 percent I will take nothing. Yeah. But to say that they're gonna beat Georgia means you're completely disregarding. The fact that against every Power 5 team that Georgia's played this year, they put up over 40 points. Yeah. People forget after, – after this Kent State game, people forgot that Georgia outscored their first three opponents 130 to 10. Yep. Yep. And one of those came against the – and that touchdown came against the fourth-string defense. Yeah. I I've said it since the beginning of the season – I watch every Tennessee game because they are a quality opponent. I, At this point, I think it's a toss-up between them and Mississippi State on the toughest game, and that's just because of the style of offense they play. Tennessee's offensive line is not not good, and that's – like, I'm not even trying to be biased there. Florida had three sacks and two quarterback hurries against Tennessee's offensive line. And Tennessee's defense – has yet to, in Josh Heupel's entire career at Tennessee, play a four-quarter game on defense. They've played a quarter here and there. They've done well at times. But they're extreme. They're very athletic. They're very fast. But they're just as undisciplined as they are fast. And that is going to cause hell in a team that lives off the play action like Georgia does. Yeah. And especially if you get that run game going, like, there's literally been times where Stetson has done a play action. I mean, we've seen it with Murray. We've seen it with Stetson. Yeah. Play action. They sit there because everybody bites on the play action. Like, literally, backs turn to the defense. Stand there for a good five seconds. Oh, yeah. Like, we've seen it. And we've seen it with Stetson. Stetson's done the same thing. But I, I think it's hard to take away from uh, from what Hendon Hooker did against this Florida defense. He went 22 of 28, 349 yards. Average 
yards per completion, 12 and a half, which means he got a first down almost every time he threw the ball. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. He also led the team in rushing with 13 carries for 112 yards. That's crazy. I'm surprised he didn't lead the team in receiving. <laughs> <laughs> That's because they don't have anybody else on the team to throw the ball. <laughs> but that brings me to my next point. Without, if you would put any other person at quarterback for Tennessee, they wouldn't be capable of doing what they're doing. That speaks to the talent of Hendon Hooker, but also the lack of depth on that team. See, that's where, I mean, I'm going to have to disagree with that. Okay. Um, Michael Dark has said it before. Or not Michael, I'm sorry. Sean, Sean said it. He literally said it the last um, episode. This Tennessee receiving court could be one of the best in the nation. But they, they were know, without Cedric Tillman against Florida. They were. They know how to get separation. They know how to catch the ball. I'm not going to take anything away from them. So you could put – and I'm not taking anything away from Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker is a good quarterback. I'm just not on that hype train yet until he faces a legitimate defense. And we I, think, I think with the pressure that LSU has been able to get on the quarterback this year and Bama – I think Tennessee's next two games are going to be very tough matchups, and I would be surprised if they came out of those two with – I'd almost, I'd almost be surprised if they came out of there with two wins because it's at LSU. If it's, at LSU, it's a noon kickoff. That is shocking to me that they have a noon kickoff at LSU. Tennessee but, is escaping – Death Valley, with that with a new kickoff. Yes, but if we know anything about LSU fans, shout out Will Ogburn and Christopher Smith. They like to get drunk and be loud and obnoxious. It would not surprise me if people start tailgating for this game for Friday at night. dinner on Friday night, <laughs> and then sit there and drink all night. And then show up belligerently drunk for that 11 a.m. local kick. And they are just as loud as they would be at night because LSU fans are mad that it's not a night game. Hey, I'll take it because that gave us a 3.30 kickoff instead of a noon kickoff against Auburn. It's it's 3.30 against Auburn, though. It's not noon. And CBS, thank you for that because noon kickoffs – are uh, are an ass kicker for people that don't live five minutes from the stadium. Yeah, and I've said before, and I've said it all week. New kickoffs are going to be the death of this team, and we'll get we'll get more into that. So what other? Oh, we got to talk about this Arkansas A and M game because that was one of the wildest touchdowns I've ever seen. I got my money back for that game because I bet Arkansas plus two, so I got my money back. There you go. <laughs> I stayed away from this game. I I wanted to put money on it, but I I had to stay away from it. I thought it was free money. I thought Arkansas was going to (laughs) run away with this game. Texas A&M's defense is the only reason they've won the games that they have. So I did not have the same confidence in Arkansas that you did. I wanted to have it. We've talked about it on the show before. Sam Pittman is an all-time great person, offensive line coach. He's going to go down as an all-time great Arkansas coach for what he's been able to do with that program with yeah. after their years of just incompetence at head coach. But I wanted to have so much more confidence in this game than I did. 
they oh like I just wonder how how a field goal literally hits the top the very tippy top of the upright. I don't think you could take every kicker in America and ask them to re- <laughs> recreate that kick, and they could do it. But uh, like they should have won. They they should have won that game. Um, and the play that you're talking about though, the scoop and score slash take away from my own teammate and score. <sighs> and did you did you hear the quote from the defensive back that got the ball from the other guy and ran? Uh. Uh-uh. He said, I was going up to take the ball. I wasn't going to wait for him to give it to me. So he stripped his own teammate who was in the process of getting tackled and just took off. <laughs> hey, I made it work for him. And part of that goes on Anthony Richardson. Or not Anthony Richardson. KJ Jefferson. I apologize, KJ. Put everything on that man. I, I apologize, KJ, because you are significantly better than Anthony Richardson. <laughs> but KJ jumped too early. I I think Arkansas got a little too overconfident after their first two touchdowns. Yeah. And then they just lost it all on that play. Because they were still leading after that play. Yeah. Because AM went on to miss that field goal. Mm-hmm. And then AM somehow took over. I, their offense still didn't seem to do well. And that's a question more than a statement. Because what is doing well for this offense? I mean, they had 343 total yards, um, but they only went four for 12 on third downs. Jeez. I don't. Max Johnson's one of those guys that he. At the end of the game, before you look at the stat line, you're going to be like, oh, that was awful. They barely squeaked out a win. And then he's like 65% passing with two touchdowns, and he's got a ton of runs. And it's one of the most confusing players I've ever seen. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Kansas State, Oklahoma? Do you watch any of that? Um, OU is bad. Now, K-State has had OU's number, though, in, like, recent history. So, like, that, that honestly, that game doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And so, even if Scott Frost had not gotten fired after the Georgia St- Southern Eagles put a hurting on him in Lincoln, I think he got fired after this game that he wasn't even playing in. <laughs> and I say that because Adrian Martinez – for all intents and purposes, went the fuck off in this game. Yeah. Adrian Martinez did whatever he wanted. He had 21 to 34, 234 yards, 89.6 QBR. Oh, and then you want to talk about the leading rusher on the team? That was also Adrian Martinez. 21 carries, 148 yards, four touchdowns. And in the fourth quarter, he put the entire team on his back. Like hopefully they got a chiropractor in their uh, in their program because he's going to need an adjustment after carrying them. Crazy. I, Oklahoma is not that. No, and they never will be, especially coming to the SEC. And I said this with our episode or in our episode with Connor. I still think the Big Twelve, the best team in the Big Twelve, finishes ten and two, and I think they've got three or four teams at nine and three. 
Yeah. But I, I think they're just all so close together in talent level and development that they're just going to eat each other alive. And no, we're not saying they're the best conference, so. No. I Saying that they have a lot of teams with at least nine wins just means that they're all close together, not that they're the best. Yeah. So, I do want to give a shout-out, though. Two shout-outs. Okay. Um, James Madison, first year in Division One, and they were 3-0. They beat App State on Saturday. James Madison took down the mighty Mountaineers. Yeah. And um, another shout-out to 4-0 Kansas. Who would have thought? I wouldn't have thought it at the beginning of this season, but I damn sure put money on them. And there's Heisman talk for their quarterback, Jaden Daniels. Or not Jaden Daniels. Um, yeah, Something Daniels. that starts with a day and it, J and ends with Daniels, like half yeah, the quarterback. Jaden Daniels is an LSU quarterback who is – well, he's coming and, to his own. And JT Daniels is a West Virginia quarterback. Yes. Is it Jalen Daniels? Hold on. I got to find it. But, yeah. No, they are – Kansas is 4-0, beating Duke 35-27. to and uh, if you follow Jalen, see, you can only have so many J names in football. <laughs> um, if you follow our Instagram, you would have seen that I put money on that game. You did. I did put money on that game. And you tried to talk me out of it. You asked me to. I did ask you to. I'm bad <laughs> about that. Same thing when I bought a motorcycle a couple years ago. I asked one of my best <laughs> friends. I was like, hey, I'm about to do something dumb. Talk me out of it. And then before I responded to his text, I'd already signed the paperwork, and I was like, oops. <laughs> I already did it. Yeah. And then Impulsive. Well, I am impulsive. It's okay. One more shout-out to the best team in the nation. Um, Stephen F. Austin winning 98 to nothing. That is insane. That doesn't even make sense. I can't find it, who they were playing. I can't, I can't try to find it on ESPN. I can't find it. They're Division Two, right? Division Two or Three. Uh, FCS. Uh, yeah. But 98 to zero. <laughs> 98 to nothing. And instead of going for two to get 100, they kneeled the ball. Oh, that's lame. <laughs> You've already embarrassed. Like, these people's ancestors are already <laughs> rolled over in their graves. And you're not just going to do a little bit more. You're not just going to be like, meh. Yeah. They kneeled the ball to go – to run out the clock instead of <laughs> scoring 100. You know what, Stephen F. Austin, we're taking we're taking our shout-out back. <laughs> you don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. Like, how do you beat a team that bad? Um, it was here's... Warner. The wildest stat of the Stephen F. Austin game, would you like to know that they did not have a single running back go over 33 yards? Jesus. <laughs> they Their starting quarterback had 266. Their first or their second string backup had 101. Their third string had 74. And their fourth string quarterback had 37 yards. <laughs> they just straight up. Embarrass these dudes. I love it. And that's a team that Georgia just dismantled a few years ago. Yeah. But what? Stephen F. Austin has an entirely new coaching staff, and they've tried to turn things around. I mean, 
their um one of their quarterbacks that threw passes is uh former Tennessee quarterback Brian Mauer. No. You remember no. the guy that uh Eric, Eric Stokes Stokes took the soul out of a few years ago? <laughs> that guy. That, that guy. Kid. Yep. Good for him. That's still <sighs> Eric Stokes is one of my all time favorite players, and that's one of my all time favorite plays. Oh yeah. Just, I put it I put it in our in our message. <laughs> especially when you're talking to a Tennessee fan, just sending that gif and the conversation's over. <laughs> well, uh, cause then you said it was a good hit. And he's like, I can't wait for Stetson to get chewed up and spit out. So then I sent the video of Stetson running all over the Tennessee defense. So and then the Yikes. conversation was over. <laughs> Yikes. We love you, Tristan. <laughs> Much love. So, since we're already talking about Georgia, I guess I guess we should go ahead and get into this one. <sighs> you know what? Let's start with the positives. Let's, let's start with the positives. First quarter, second play from scrimmage. Brock Bauer, 75-yard <laughs> end around. First quarter, a few minutes later, Jalen Walker, true freshman Jalen Walker, future starred inside linebacker, blocked a punt out of the back of the end zone for a safety. And then it got not as good. Not as good. <laughs> not, not as good. Um, it, was, it was a rough day. And y'all know, I go to these games. I was in the stadium. It was um, – it was it was very difficult to watch in person. Uh, <laughs> Lad had probably the worst day in his performance since probably middle school. Yeah, someone was saying that his girlfriend broke up with him before the game. So, <laughs> are you are you for real? No, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I just saw it on Twitter. <laughs> I was about to say, if his girlfriend broke up with him before the game, she needs to be expelled from the university. <laughs> I still love you know me, what? I still love me some lad though. Man. He 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 redeems himself towards the end of the game. He had some good catches. Yeah, yeah. No, I I was gonna get to that here in a second. He had what three drops and a muff punt in the first half. But just because of how well he's done for Georgia since the beginning of last season, Kirby had the faith to put him back out there on punt return, and then he ended up leading the team in receiving yeah. six catches for 65 yards. The I will say, in my opinion, the worst part of this performance is they the defense didn't do anything they normally do. No. And I'm not necessarily talking about performance. They didn't – like, they, they didn't have the same plays. Georgia defense is known for press man coverage on the outside. Mm-hmm. And all those screen passes you saw are because they were playing five yards back on the receivers. And they come get inside it. and the dude would just bounce it out. Yeah. I they weren't playing, they weren't didn't come into the game with the same game plan. Malachi was not good in coverage. Yeah, he didn't Kamari get Lassiter. Right. That's the standard, Malachi. We need you to have at least one a game. Um Kamari Lasseter did not look good at all. He ended up getting taken out of the game at one point. Georgia couldn't get the running game going. Brock Bowers led the team in rushing. Yeah. I mean, they had the like second, 300 yards rushing, so, I mean. Correct. 
And the next guy was Dejan Edwards, who is supposed to be the third string running back. But I think he's he, he's quickly working his way up to starting at running yeah. back. When when you watch Dejan Edwards run the ball, he is he is small, but it's like you put a bowling ball out of a cannon. <laughs> He runs with the type of violence that will take down defensive linemen and keep going. He kind of gives me chub vibes. I can see it. I can see that. And the wildest thing about Dejan Edwards is he was not a highly recruited guy. Georgia no. offered him just before signing day because Zach Evans did whatever the hell he was doing. <laughs> and Dejan Edwards was an afterthought. This guy is a junior. And – Every time he's played for the last couple of years, typically in garbage time, he's come out and shown why he should be playing. Yeah. And this year, he's he's showing why he should be the first-string running back this year. Yeah, no, he definitely needs more first-team reps. Um, I love watching him play. I love watching him run. So, so, after the game, everyone, like, knew that. It was a noon kickoff. So, everyone probably figured, okay, this team wasn't up. It's Kent State, like. Stetson, after the game, literally said we weren't awake going into this game. They kind of slept walked their way into this game. Because, I mean, looking back, Kent State is 1-49 against SEC teams all time. Or not, sorry, not Kent State, Mac. So, Mac teams. Maction is 1-49. Toledo beat Arkansas in 2015. That is their only win against SEC teams. But looking back, like, Kent State played Oklahoma tough. They scored, you know, that game was 33 to 3. Um, Texas AM won 41 to 10 last year against Kent State. It's, they're not a bad team. Washington, they only beat Kent State 45 to 20. Like you were saying, you know, all Saturday, they're not big, they're fast. Yeah, no, these guys were extremely fast. They're like, none yeah. of them were real big. And so I actually watched the most of the second half of this game in the uh, in row nine with my sister. Went to where her, she was sitting, um, and every, like Stetson was taller than a lot of their guys. But good <laughs> lord, when when I say they were fast, you might not have been able to tell on TV. No, you but could. every it, they were so fast and just it was. It was cool to watch one of these lower programs that you know a lot of their guys are going to transfer at the end of the year, blah, blah, blah. Kent State's got a good quarterback. They've got a good system. I I mean, what was it? Last year they played for the conference championship in the MAC. Yeah. They, they're consistently one of, if not the best teams in the MAC. And just to go along with this, Kent State had 340 yards of offense against Washington in week one. They had 295 yards of offense against Oklahoma in week two. And then in week four, they had 281 yards of offense. So they may have scored 22 points. That is correct. But that was on the back of three turnovers. Yeah. And Georgia still outgained them more than any other team has this season. Yeah, even though the score didn't indicate it, like, Georgia still dominated this game. I will have to say that this is the first game this season, though, that I had to have drinks. <laughs> to watch. I, 
I wish I had drinks. Sanford needs to start selling alcohol because this was. I think it, it. I feel like Sanford would be bad if they sold alcohol. I can tell you that I've been to basketball games and baseball games at and at Georgia, and they sell alcohol at those. The steak sells alcohol. Uh huh. They did this year. Uh, um, I think they started it this year, but I went to a game where they lost to a awful team that. I don't even think they won their conference and their – I don't remember who it was, but it was awful. It was very difficult to watch. I've only been to one basketball game. I've been to a few, and none met, of them are easy to watch. I met David Green at the game I went to, so that was fun. That's cool. But And, I mean, they were playing Arizona State, and they lost because they missed a buzzer beater. So, I mean, it was a fun game. Well, the first game I ever went to was against Florida in 20 20- – Nineteen, oh, I want to say. Did you go to a game against Florida because Florida was also bad that year, and yeah, uh, <laughs> it's basketball, right? I it was the last game of the it was the last home game of the year. Tickets were <laughs> like ten bucks. I was I came home from work and I was like, "Hey, Kelsey, let's go to the game." She's like, "All right," <laughs> and uh, they ended up losing, and I just happened to be sitting next to a Florida fan who was, as most Florida fans are. The worst. Um, yeah, pretty pretty terrible. But that was a, that was spring of 2019, and then I told him, wait till football season, and then Georgia beat Florida. So the sport we all care about is football. Yeah. So while we're sitting here talking about this Georgia team, should we go ahead and talk about Javon Bullard? Yes, yes, we should. So. For those so, of you on, who have hold on, time out. Okay. Okay. Right. Before we go on to that, speaking about Georgia and Florida, big shout out to the UGA women's soccer team for beating Florida for the first time ever in Gainesville over the weekend. They beat Florida three to nothing in Gainesville on Sunday. First time ever. So I just wanted to give a shout out to them. Congratulations. Go lady dogs. I'll cheers to that. Cheers. I'm empty, but cheers. <laughs> You're not drinking alcohol anyways. Yeah, I'm not. So, we'll talk about Javon Bullard over here. Um, starting star defender for the University of Georgia. Second year on the team. And this was just after the guy that played star in the national championship decided he was going to retire from football, mind you, a week later. Um... Javon Bullard got pulled over for a DUI. And so reading this article from Online Athens, the reason he got pulled over is because they could see him using his phone flashlight while driving. <laughs> and don't don't get me wrong, I do not want this to come off in any way like I'm trying to excuse drunk driving because that's one thing that I absolutely will not ever excuse. At, in the age of Uber... There's absolutely no reason to drunk drive. Yeah. Uh, Bullard is definitely in midseason form for a Georgia player, so good for him. No, he's in preseason form. That's the problem. <laughs> um, underage, got a DUI because he said he took two shots at a party. He told the cops he took – he said he took two shots and then got in the car a few minutes later to drive. Blew over a .02, which is the underage limit in Georgia. He was using his phone 
drinking and driving, had, had possession of alcohol under age, failure to maintain lane, improper turn. He has a total of seven misdemeanors. Jesus, what street did he get pulled over on? Does it say? Oh, oh, okay. Before we get to that, um, his blood alcohol level was a point one four three, and he said he had two shots. Jesus, what was he taking? Shots unless at? he, unless he was taking the shot literally as he was pulled over. That there's no way it was only two shots. Jeez. He was pulled over on River Road. I don't know where that's at. I think it's in a neighborhood. Yeah. The police officer said he could not distinguish his name because he was slurring so much when he was talking. They heard Jaw Ullard is what this article says. You know what this reminds me of? What's that? When Marcelo Zuna got pulled over for DUI a couple months ago, he's like, Ozuna Braves. Ozuna, Marcelo Ozuna Braves. Braves. And the cop's like, cool. Like, well, that's because Marcelo Zuna doesn't speak English. It's a problem there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, y'all cut it out. I thought it was funny. He's like, Marcelo Zuna Braves. Braves. And the cop's like, cool, dude. You're still driving drunk. I need your ID. But at the end of it, Javon Bullard's arrest is absolutely not acceptable. Not just the fact that he was arrested, but the fact that he was driving drunk to begin with. Yeah. In the age of Uber, and not only in the age of Uber, but in the age of the fact that football players are treated like gods on campus. Yeah. I guarantee you, if he had picked up the phone, hell, he could have called Kirby Smart and got a ride. Oh, I'm sure. He would have got a hell of a run-in on practice. Hell, I'm but sure he, everybody did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I between the game this weekend and Javon's arrest, when I know he was probably at a party with other Georgia players, God, it's going to suck to be a Georgia Bulldog this week, but it's going to suck even worse to be a Missouri Tiger this weekend. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be bad. But go ahead and tell y'all who our guest is later this week. We've got Adam Spencer from Saturday Down South, noted Missouri fan. And uh, he writes a lot for the team, runs the news team over at Saturday Down South. He was actually supposed to be on with us tonight, but he is actually writing for um, their Monday night football stuff to going on tonight. So he wasn't able to come on and talk to us. But we're going to interview him later this week and put it out probably on Thursday. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to suck to be a Missouri Tiger next week. Yeah. I, I think – in the next two games, Georgia is going to get two coaches fired. <laughs> so, we'll drink this week. I don't think drink is fired. And then the very next week, they have Brian Harson. Harson definitely, but I don't see drink getting fired. So I've said I said it last year too. I said if Missouri doesn't make a bowl game, drink gets fired. And I said it because of the, before last season. Missouri got a new athletic director. Yeah. So the guy that hired him is no longer there. And that's why I think he's going to get fired. And their they're recruiting in year one was good. Their recruiting this year is not. I want to say they're in like the 60s nationally in recruiting for the 2023 class. Jesus. Yeah. No, I, I, think, I think Drink gets fired. And then I think Georgia puts a beat down on Auburn in that 330 matchup. And oh, Harson yeah. gets fired. That's if Harson's the coach come – Two weeks from now. 
if we're being Wait, completely honest. Uh, when did they play this week? Yeah, because if you watched that Missouri Auburn game, nobody wanted to win that game. And that that was frustrating because I said Missouri was going to win that game because Missouri is undoubtedly more talented this year than Auburn. As a team, they are significantly more talented. The problem is, I don't think I don't think the teams necessarily know. Like, I don't think the coaches know what to do with the talent. Oh yeah, this weekend uh, LSU Auburn. Yeah, night game. What? Auburn's yeah, got another night game. Seven o'clock. Why, God? Hey, Georgia's got a night game this week. Yeah. Oh wait. At in a half full Missouri stadium. Yeah, in the electric Memorial Fawcett Field Stadium. I will say Missouri's field. Have they got the stone M in one of the end zones? Is one of my favorite like scenes in college football. We need to take a. We need. You know what? When this podcast blows up, we're gonna go to games. I already go to games. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so let's go ahead and get into our offensive and defensive MVPs for the game. Yeah. So, mine, I mean, we, we talked about him earlier, Dejon Edwards. You know, Brock, Brock did his thing. Like, don't get me wrong, Brock Bowers went off. But seeing what Dejon Edwards was able to do and just bully that defense, it, it was fun to watch. You know, he had 12 carries for 73 yards. You know, he averaged six yards a carry. Or 6.1 yards. Okay, he didn't have any touchdowns, but he. If it, I feel like if it wasn't for him, we might have lost this game. Seeing what he was able to do on offense and continue to move the chains, continue to keep that offense moving down the field, definitely played a huge impact on us. You know, pulling pulling away at the end. I I don't know if I necessarily agree with losing the game, but uh, I mean, if you away. That's fair. That's fair. So, in the fourth quarter, trying to put the game away, needing to move the chains, who did they turn to? Dejan Edmonds. That that tells you everything you need to know. He may not be the most explosive guy that they have running the football. He may not be the biggest guy. But when you need a play, he's been the guy so far that, oh, you need six yards for a first down? I got you, coach. Yeah. For defense – I've got to give it to my breakout. Jamon Dumas Johnson once again led the team in tackles as a sophomore. Six total, two sacks, three tackles for loss. Finally. The guy's a sophomore. And not only is he a sophomore, but every week, he doesn't just, like, take a small step forward. Yeah. This dude takes long jumps forward every single week. And it would not shock me at the end of next season if uh, if he gets drafted day one, if he keeps playing the way he is. LBU. LBU, baby. So now oh, it's time becoming, for They're even becoming safety you. Like, Dan Jackson is one of the top four safeties in the nation. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but he was the guy that gave up that fake punt this weekend. So, Yeah, what's the team's going for fucking fake punts against us? That was a blown coverage, too, because Kirby, after the game, said that they were in a formation to stop it. Yeah. And then – so what it looked like on the field, 
or not on the field, but in the stands <laughs> was that, yeah, if I was on the field, y'all would, uh, y'all social media would be blowing up because I'd be posting everything. <laughs> oh, look at this cool blade of grass over here. <laughs> but uh, in the stands, it looked like Dan Jackson saw the ball get snapped and then went to rush the punter instead of cover his guy. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong. I haven't watched it back yet, but that's what it looked like to me. Yeah. Which, I mean, watching the previous punts before that, the blocked punt and then one that they, you know, partially blocked, dudes were running free at the punter. Like, nope, nobody blocked them. So, I yeah. mean, that's what he was going for. I don't know. I, I, I need to rewatch it and see. Not a good look regardless. Yeah. So now it's time for our. So Walker went 16 yards. He drove right over Orange Church, just driving and running with those big ties. My God, a question. Player of the week. And in my opinion, I think it's got to go to Bear Alexander. Yeah. He may, he may have only had one tackle. But he, as a lineman, had a pass breakup. And every time the quarterback seemed to get rushed through his throw, you just saw 99 come through the middle of that defense again. Yep. This guy is a little bit smaller. He, he's no Jordan Davis. <laughs> but uh, he's explosive. And as a true freshman who missed the spring because of a surgery, to come in this early in the season in significant playing time, I'm I'm extremely impressed with him. Yeah. I'm rather with you. You know what? Can we also talk about something else real quick? Am I the only person that's pissed off that Darnell Washington's not getting any red zone touches? No. I've seen it everywhere. So, once again, this could be something that I'm way looking into. But when we were in row nine, and at this point, Jordan was on offense, every single play when they were in the red zone, coming to us because my sister was sitting in there in the end zone by the scoreboard. Every single time they were about to snap the ball, I yelled, give it to Darnell. And at one point after that catch, which was just in front of us, he looked over and I swear he was looking at me because every single play I was yelling, give it to Darnell. <laughs> and uh, it, you have a six foot seven, 260 pound tight end who is quick and he's athletic enough to jump over people. There's no secondary player in the country that's going to be able to stop a fade to that guy. He doesn't need to jump. Look what he did in the SC Championship game against Alabama last year. Literally just plucked it over the dude's head. Seen, like, didn't even leave the ground. I don't – red zone offense is something this team's got to get better at if they expect to go very deep into this season. But good Lord, how can you just let a weapon like that go with zero red zone touches? But it's weird. We've had great red zone offense against South Carolina and Oregon. Stanford and Kent State, we struggled in the red zone. I'm telling you, whatever it is about those group of five teams, we can't beat – well, I mean, we can't beat them, but we don't look dominant like we did against the power five teams. And considering there's no more group of five teams on the schedule, except maybe you consider Georgia Tech a group of five team at this point. Yeah, since Jeff Collins has gone until they hired primetime. Primetime ain't taking that job. No, he's not. <laughs> no. I saw I saw they were looking at Georgia running back coach Del McGee for that job. I, I mean, I and the reason, I, but 
I don't think he takes that job because I think just at hearing that Kirby's already trying to get that man another raise. He's one of the best recruiters in the country as a position coach. There's yeah. no way Georgia lets him go without a fight. No, or I mean, him and Brian McClendon like have just <laughs> helped with this recruiting one hundred percent. And not only that, but there's a, an extremely high chance that Todd Munkin is not with the team going into the 2023 season because he's probably going to get a head coaching job. Oh, man, God, I hope not. But if somebody's coming after Del McGee for a head coach and Kirby sees an opportunity to make him an offensive coordinator and keep him, he's going to take it. Yeah. Just my opinion. I mean, I'd be happy for him. Just don't put a tech, man. Yeah. Look, that program is going to be way too difficult to turn around. It's going to be in one of those things where, like, a hot shot up-and-coming coach takes that job, and then their entire entire career gets derailed because they're not able to get more than four wins just because of the restrictions put on recruiting. You've got to have a gimmick offense. I mean, that's why Paul Johnson did so well is because he was able to have a gimmick offense, Yeah, recruit under-recruited guys to come play for him, and win 10 games every few years. I mean, it's hard, though, with a school like Tech, because, like, you have to be smart to get into the school. Yeah, the academic restrictions are very difficult to get in. Because, I mean, don't Tech is in a recruiting hotbed. Like, you're in Atlanta. Like, if, right. if it wasn't a technical school, like, I feel like they'd be a, a top – they could be a top 10 program. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, they won national championships in the 90s. They were very good not long ago. They played for multiple ACC championships in the 2000s and 2010s. Yeah. I don't – just the difficulty in recruiting is what drove them away from it. And it doesn't help that Atlanta is a transient city where a lot of people come in for work. Yeah. I mean, that's why why Georgia doesn't recruit as well in Atlanta as they do, like, say, in Florida – you have guys moving in from California that want to go back home to USC or whoever the hell they go play for. Yeah. You have anything else? Are you ready to close this one out? We can close it out. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us here at the nothing finder podcast for our week four recap episode. Holy fuck. It's week four. No, it's week five now. Yeah. It's depressing. (laughs) We wait for it all year just for it to go by so damn quick. But as we keep saying, follow our Instagram, nothing.finder.pod. We've got some big news coming out here in the next week or so. So if you want to get in on that, and I promise you, you do. If you are a Georgia fan, you want to get in on this news we've got coming out here in the next couple of weeks. You've got to follow our Instagram for that because that's going to be putting out all of our updates. Um Facebook group, Nothing Finer Podcast on Facebook. That's where we got the polos, decals, koozies, stickers. We're talking about getting some t-shirts made where we're going to have like the logo on the front and something cool on the back. You know, we're we're getting some cool stuff coming in. Um, But you got to be on Facebook for that. And then Wes over here has started a Twitter page for those of you that use Twitter. I do not. Wes, go ahead and give the Twitter handle. Yeah, no. So, yeah, I started Twitter because, you know, it's more fun to talk shit on Twitter because, you know, people in the Twitterverse get super upset. So, you know, if you know me, you know I love talking shit. Uh, but, yeah, it is at FinerPod on Twitter. So go ahead and give us a follow over there. I 
re-downloaded the Twitter app just to follow our, our Twitter account because, like I said, I don't use Twitter whatsoever. Yeah. We got three followers. You're killing it. Three followers. We'll we'll post something on our Facebook and our Instagram and all that kind of stuff to boost us up there. But like I said, just keep following for our big news that's coming out. And we've also got Adam Spencer coming on with us later this week. He was gracious enough to give us some time to talk about this Missouri football team. That'll be coming out Thursday, probably. Um it really just depends on how bad the storm gets on what I'm able to put out and when I'm able yeah. to put it out. Um, so, Wes, if you don't have anything else, I think we'll go ahead and close it. Let's do it. All right, guys, always remember there's nothing finer in the land than a drunk, obnoxious Georgia fan. Biggest third down in Bryce Young's career. You need 10. Play clock at four. From the pocket. Launching downfield, underthrown and intercepted. Kaylee Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. All the way to the end zone. And Georgia is going to conquer the Crimson Tide.